Almost. We're close. Yep. Here we go. Two actual hours back to back. Hard to believe. Tax the rich, feed the poor, tell there are no rich no more. Here we go. We're going to do an actual two-hour radio show today. Uh, I'm going to have to get retrained or something, Paul. Um, So here we go. Of course, it would be the Saturday edition. Evidently, they don't do rolling blackouts on the weekends in Ecuador. And so we will be unhampered for two hours, at least in the electrical side. Roger Sales, your host, Radio Ranch, the name of our little get-together here. And I have to double-check and make sure it is December 16th today. I guess next week is Christmas Eve week. Um, And uh, here we are at that time of year. Um, we got so much to talk about. I've forgotten what most of it was because we hadn't had any really time to talk. My problem with what's gone on the last week is we have to play something, Paul. And then I come in in the back half. There's people that are listening to that. Well, that's interrupted. It's out the window. I don't know what's been said because I hadn't had any electricity. So it's an awkward transition into an hour of discussion where you may or may not can touch on stuff or elaborate so anyway that's why i just said to hell with it i'll just just play replays thursday and friday and we may have to do some of that with depending on what's in our future here with this electrical situation and i don't know from day to day what it is i'm not plugged into the local stuff i don't pay attention to it and uh every little area is different so i just kind of have to uh, wing it um, it's been quite a challenge, you know, the electrical problems we've been having now wasn't directly like these go back to July. That's like five months of this crap. Okay. I know internet one week, uh, you know, four or five hours out there changing wires or, or poles or who knows what. Okay. Anyway, it's been a challenge. It's, uh, uh, it's helped me out a little bit. I, I've actually maintained my sanity through most of it. Um, the Lord teaches us that kind of a thing through these types of trials, I guess. So rather than uh, waste much time on all that, good to be back with you. Merka says we got some new folks on. Um, we were talking right before we went on about a, a video Daryl had uh, just sent me this morning, and I watched it right before uh, we went on the air. Very serious, very interesting, almost as novel a approach and insight and understanding in the financial field as we've got in the legal field, and they both tie together. Okay, so it's called the great taking. 
by a guy. He does the whole narration, an hour and a half plus video that I watched this morning on his story, how he got there. Like me, very unlikely guy. Uh, he finds his way niched into this role. And uh, all of a sudden, he's got some insight big time into how they've set up moving everything over for the next crash, which is probably coming this year the next year, 24. So anyway, we'll talk about that. It's very complicated, all that financial stuff on what they've done. I just saw it one time. I'm not sure. I grasped the big picture, but some of the mechanizations that they've used, now they've done it, it's quite interesting. But uh, guess what they did? They went and changed the uniform commercial code. Starting in 90s, early 90s, they went and they didn't do it from the top down. They did it from the bottom up. And they went and had it quietly changed in all the 50 states. It's very interesting. Um, has to do Roger. with collateral and what you think you own and how you don't own it and where it's going to when the plug is pulled and all that kind of crap. Yes, Merka. Was that 90s for 1990s or 1890s? 1990s. Oh, wow. We didn't have the Uniform Commercial Code controlling in the 1890s. We had the Constitution and common law. Okay. So, again, you see this going on. You, any of you folks that have studied any of these other people, is it admiralty law that's being used? Is it maritime law that's being used? No. It's the Babylonian Merchant Code. We call it the Uniform Commercial Code. Same thing. Okay. So anyway, I'll put that at the end. I, I will upload today's show, obviously, because we had a show. And uh, I will uh, include that for the audience that might be listening later. Uh, I'll include that in the show description under show links there at the bottom of today's upload when I get to it later. Um, very interesting and very insightful. I think you'll you'll uh, uh it is it, very complex and much of it'll go over your head but stick with it and where does it all go back to bank of international settlements in basel switzerland abram did you have any comment on that you said you were a little familiar with it abram you there guess not okay um, might not be able to talk. So, well, where else can we go this morning? There's just all kinds of stuff happening. I mean, it's, you know, hadn't, hadn't been on the air for a week, uh, uh really. And, uh, uh, there's just a myriad of things happen in a day now, a much less a week. So, um, you looking for me, Ro uh, Roger, you guys, did you just say Tom? No, well, I, I heard something. No. Uh, no, no, oh, you. Hey, no. Um, the Zero Folk Radio and uh, the other one are not playing the show. I don't know if that's important or not. Okay, I, well, I Tom, uh, Paul, you might want to check. Um, okay. Well, hey, Robert, somebody wanted. Hold up. on. So somebody want to double check on that on uh, one of the listers, Euro Folk, and what else, Tom? 
And it's what's global the other voice. global global? I tried both of those. Oh, global voice. They, they were just uh, static. Let's see. Well, that is that is you know fall right into place yeah. with everything well, else that's been happening for months, really. Not, so. Oh yeah, no, 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 huh? no. We get on here for a purpose. I don't know. Hey, Roger. Can I, can I, oh. All right. All right. Yeah. While you're checking, Roger, somebody said, "Hey, Roger." Hey, okay, that you have a question? Hold on. Yeah. It, it, it's Devin from Devin. Michigan. Oh, hey, Devin. How you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. Just wanted to share a really interesting insight that I got um, over the course of my little break here. Um, I was talking with a really good uh, buddy of mine who's been an attorney for over 40 years, and we got in a conversation on the word person and uh, and the concept of rights and duties. And he said something that I thought was really interesting, and then that there's three different types of rights and duties. Have you ever heard this, Roger? I don't know. I don't, doesn't doesn't ring a bell already? No. So he said there's three types of sets of rights and duties. There's common law, there's statutory, and there's contractual. Okay, and that makes it, sense. And it makes perfect sense. And a real applicable area of of this is, of course, a tax issue, where people get confused on the types of of rights and duties that you know it is. You know the people. You know people generally assume that the tax issue is a statutory, you know, set of rights and duties. When in truth, it's contractual. Yeah, yeah. You're in the contract from birth, even though it's silent. They nail you in the regulations through the administrative agency and nail you down to it, and then put your feet to the fire if you don't perform. Yep. Anyways, just wanted to share that. That was really insightful. Uh, Devin, great. Uh, that's a, that's very interesting. I can understand his point exactly. Uh, what did he think of our stuff? Um, we didn't get too deep into it. He has been excited that I've been that I've developed an interest in law, and he keeps on asking me when I'm going to law school. <laughs> but uh, so um, you tell him, I, I'm tell him you're tell him you're going to the real law school right now. Real law school. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've been warming him, him up bit by bit, and as I've wor- been working on my handbook, I've been actually working on it with him in mind. And sitting down and having this full conversation. Cool. Well, you know, for the especially a lot of the new people, I've tried to structure this for many years as a team, and you guys come on because teams always accomplish more than individuals. I couldn't get very far by myself. It had to be a team. People like Devin and uh, and a number of the rest of you have stepped forward, and we got a team here, and you're getting a report from the wide receiver out there that came back to the huddle. So good work, Devin. Playoff event. Yes, I don't know who he was saying that, but I guess yes. you can. Yes, this is this is Ed, Flora uh, and Ed. Um, so, I oh hey, Ed. About what, yeah, when you become a national, and uh, so we we own a couple of businesses, and so I'm trying to understand how that works. So if I have an LLC that the um, the election for tax filing is as a pass-through entity, whether that's an S-corporation or as a partnership. Yeah. When you're a national, are you? would you continue that 
business, and, and if you, you did, in, the, in that state, you, would you have to file with the IRS under your EIN, you, or are you better off selling the assets of that entity to the individual who's the national, and then well, working the business under a DBA rather than, than uh, you know, okay, uh, you're an individual? Uh, uh, Listen, I, this is not my area of expertise. We can th- fumble around through it. You can get other people that have set up businesses and might have some of their own ideas, okay? But the first thing is, you, according to a regulation, IRS regulation, if you are a principal listed as a principal in a LLC, you can't be a non-resident alien. So you might have to, you might could keep it in that structure, but if you're listed as one of the officers and then you're a non-resident alien, you've given them that notification, you can't be that officer. So you might have to get somebody who's not and put them as an officer or switch and not use the LLC. You uh, Have you looked into trusts at all, Ed? Roger. I have not looked into that, but I understand. Uh, yeah, hold on. Okay, trust is another valid vehicle that you should look into and see how it might could fit in what you do. Also, private membership associations have a, a, a lot of different power. And I personally think, again, just not being involved in this stuff, thinking about it, that the combination of a PMA and being a national is a, uh, a double protection. Okay. You know about PMAs, Ed? I do know a bit about them. And, I mean, that would work for me in my professional role as a physician. Well, well, a lot of physicians, a lot of physicians around the country evidently are going to that now. Yeah. Um, our, our other business actually manufactures a product that's sold across the country through other outlets. So, um, yeah, so that's a, a manufacturing company. I'm not, like I said, I'm not an expert in this area of it. There's a lot of variations and things, but I do know, I don't believe you can be an officer of an LLC or a subchapter S if you're a non-resident alien. That came out on the show one day. Um, but look into it and make sure. But that's a caveat. Now, somebody wanted to say something here. Let's see what they got to add. Come on forward. Mr. Abram, I think you can have an LLC. It's just not the S Corp. And it's pretty okay. easy. You can just search online and say, not only an alien LLC or S Corp. And uh, when I searched for it, it popped right up that you could okay. for an LLC. What about a C Corp? Right. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure you'll have to check, but be sure look to see if an officer on whatever entity you're considering can be a non-resident alien or not. Okay. That's the key thing. Uh, so trust can be worked into a picture of a schematic on how to set yourself up. Uh, also, as I said, PMAs look into all those and see what suits you best. I just can't give you a concrete answer, Ed. Okay. Right. Like LLC, you can be a foreign person and own a piece of an LLC. Uh, and as a non-resident alien, you're a foreign to the, uh, you're not a U.S. person. Right. Gotcha. Great. Right. Right. 
Well, I'm going I'm to really encourage all y'all to watch this thing we're talking about, The Great Taking. Okay? Uh, oh, yeah. J- j- I can hey, on that. Uh... They, they have got this thing set up where they literally can steal every security as collateral in the frigging world. Yep. So what they've done okay. is they've created a new type of ownership, a new category of ownership. Yes. And that's what everyone can trade in, and that's what they have at the brokerages. And so what you're buying is beneficial ownership where you can buy right. it, you can sell it, you can get the profits or the losses off whatever yeah. security asset you have. They're doing the same thing with that, what owner. they've done with property. You've only got beneficial yep. ownership of your house. You don't have the real ownership, yep. okay? They've done the same damn yep. thing worldwide in the worldwide securities market. This is worth watching, folks. The Great I, um, Taking. Go find it, okay? I, I just posted it in, uh, here on the chat. Um, maybe... Sketcher Paul can post it in FCC. And Roger, it's funny that um, that Daryl shared that because I've been, you know, digging into the merchant code um, since I started studying a little bit of the citizen history that I shared not too long ago. And I just want to see the history of it. And now to find out that they changed it in the 90s, I was like, now that's going to get even better. Um, I just can't believe it. Uh, the merchant code is the UCC. And I, I'm, you know, uh, going over the USC code and the UCC and the, you know, the history of it uh, little by little to figure out what, what happened, well, what they've done, have, and how they're using have you- it. America, uh, have you been around here for a while? You've done a lot of work on getting this your arms around this. Have you read uh, uh, historical jurisprudence on the Babylonian Merchant yes. Code? Those first ninety work- pages. Okay, for yeah, the audience, I'm working on worth. That. I'm working on that. This is one of those concepts. You know, uh, people think you got to come in here and learn all of this detail. Don't learn the detail. Learn the concepts. Get the big pieces. Get the big picture. Uh, and then you can go in and see how the details work, okay? And this is one of them. The Babylonian Merchant Code, it is the key to everything that's going on, okay? Go over to SovereignToSurf.com. There's a historical jurisprudence is the name of the book. It's 100 years old. It was published by John Hopkins back in the 1930s, the whole first 90 pages. Uh, this is a history of jurisprudence. It's a history of jurisprudence. The first 90 pages of the history of jurisprudence are the Babylonian Merchant Code. You think it's important? Yep, exactly. You know, so anyway, that's some of the things y'all get your arms around this, where it came from, how it developed, uh, how it works. It's not necessarily bad. It's just that they know it so well, they can turn it and weaponize it against us. And it's very complex, okay? Yep, and make contracts specifically. So it's kind of like outside the the normal law. Like, you know, if they have you in a contract, then you have an agreement that well, you're obligated to. Exactly. In that book, in that book, in that book, it starts. This is the first sentence, I believe. 
Babylon's great contribution to the world was they reduced everything in the society down to the abstract form of contract. That's the first sentence in the book on historical jurisprudence. And here, what the contract people see here again, because they don't know it's the feudal system. If you don't know it's the feudal system, you don't understand voluntary servitude and the fact that it is a silent contract that runs generationally. That's the two questions. Okay? There's the two questions that they ask you that nails all of this down for them. What, Marka? It's funny how how well it works now because of the gold and silver not being in the picture and using the the fiat money, the currency that we have. Well, it's I so see. much easier well, that, for them to do that. It's that code that allows them to do this. Right. Exactly. See, there's the real big comparison and lacking between the common law and this merchant code. It's merchant code is built on all of this trade, loans, contracts, etc., etc., etc. The common law isn't based on that. It really doesn't have any of those high-end definite uh, uh, workings inside the common law on financial stuff. And so that's how when those needs arise over history that merchant code goes in to fill the void because it's got all that stuff in it the loans and, and the unlimited credit cards and all those all of it. that they can yeah and, and yeah unlimited. all that uh, in, in all these people in the patriot community for all these years and that's right in front of their face Mark. all this their loans their house loan their this or that oh no it's admiralty law <laughs> Good Lord! Right. Oh, our community has been so blindfolded, folks. Unbelievable. We've been indoctrinated to believe that that's our money. Yeah, well, you've been programmed, you know. There's another one of those equivocation words, big one, money. I challenge you, if you're new here, try and do a week, and every time you're going to use the word money, stop yourself and substitute the word currency. You just see how well they've got you programmed. I was talking to uh, my credit union, and I was trying to go over some regulations with them, and I mentioned, I caught myself saying money. I'm like, I meant currency. And right. uh, try to keep track on track with that. It'll, it'll startle you how well they've got everybody programmed. It's all using equivocation, and it's all using these opposite words. Hell, you don't think they don't laugh at us? They got the whole damn world using words like money that mean debt. And they sit back and laugh their butts off at how stupid we are, how easily controllable through this little, little trick. So are there any new students? Anybody got any comment on all that? Or if there's new people around who want to try and address any questions you may have? Christopher so was uh, on early. Yeah, he was. So Christopher, did we talk over you and you had to leave? Or are you still there? Oh, Christopher. Oh, Christopher. Star six. 
Okay. Well, if Christopher in front and center at the microphone, anybody else got something they wanted to bring up? There's somebody. Is that Gary? Yes, I wanted to comment on what you just discussed. And it's the fact that it's not the Babylonian system. It's not the Roman system. It's not the merchant law system. It's the fact that they got us to turn away from God's laws. Yeah. God's laws plainly the, state gold and silver as fair weights and measures, and that we're not to be using usury. Well, that's true. Now, they were using, uh, I don't know about their use of paper money and stuff back then. They were using uh, gold and silver, but they added interest into it. But, see, they didn't get the ability to do what they do now until about the 1500s. In uh, in Italy, back around the the Medici and Venice and Florence, and being the head of trade and Marco Polo's Silk Road and all that stuff, that's when they advented double entry bookkeeping, and double entry bookkeeping is what's allowed them to set this system up. Because they can take your loan that you sign and bring it back and put it on the uh, at the liability side of the ledger, discount the note into an investor, bring that cash back, put it on the asset side to balance the books, and pay whatever you purchased with your contract. It's that little trick right there that gives them all this power. Not the it's a wonderful life like Jimmy Stewart where they're loaning out your neighbor's savings to you in the form of a house loan. They take this paper and discount it to continually get the engine of debt currency pumping. Okay? So that's what's going on. The whole thing's a fraud, top to bottom, from the time they uh, – just there's so many layers of fraud here, it's mind-boggling. Yes, who was Hey Roger there? This is Jill from Missouri. Well, we're going to go Hello? with the female here. Yep, Jill, just hold on. Whoever the guy was, get to you in a second. Hi, Jill. How you doing? Hi. You I'm great. I just wanted, if anybody was not aware of two movies that one has just recently come out, it's called Leave the World Behind, and Obama yes. was one of the producers of it, and then the, right. the other one that is supposed to come out later in the spring of 2024 is Civil War, and uh, right. of course, both, both of these movies are foretelling what is planned to happen upon this country. And I further wanted to add that in the spring of 2013, I was down in Santiago, Chile, uh, at a meeting of the membership for Sovereign Man around the world. Uh-huh, right, and Ron, Ron Paul and Jim Rogers and Nigel Farage were among the speakers there. When Ron Paul and Jim Rogers spoke, they both said these words. They said, we love our country. We don't like what's happening to our country, but there's nothing we can do about it. We would advise all of you to get your assets 
out of America and come down here to South America, buy a farm, learn how to drive a tractor because in the near future, most Americans are going to lose everything that they have. And um, my mother and I, we, we tried to buy a farm down there in Chile, but when the owner, who was German, learned that we were Americans, the price went substantially higher than the realtor ah, told us initially. That's, so, you know, you know, so you know we, what we call that? You know what we call that down here? What's that? The gringo tax. What? Oh, yeah. And so we started making inroads into Ecuador, and that's how we came to buy uh, some beautiful properties that we still own in Ecuador. However, uh, we found out that the Ozarks in Missouri are considered to be a present-day Goshen, and the Navy is telling their retired personnel, the U.S. Navy is telling their retired personnel not to retire on any of the coast, east, west, or Gulf Coast of America, but to head for the hills. And the Ozarks is supposed to be one of the places. So um, my mom and I, my mom did not want to learn to speak Spanish. She wasn't happy there. And we couldn't find any place that we could live in peace in Ecuador. That's what we were trying to find. We were arm robbed in our house twice and beaten and sexually molested. So my you mom and I decided... In Kodakachi? In uh, about 20 miles up the hill in Lago Quicocha twice we were arm robbed i mean they literally took our pickaxes and our sledgehammer and broke the walls that our iron door and wooden front door were affixed to they broke the walls and came in the walls and then broke through the wall that my mom and i were trying to be locked behind i okay. called 911 and I told them, you know, bad men were in our house and that we were in Lago Quicocha. Well, they sent the help to Lago Central. And so we were, we were tied up with our own rope, beaten, and I was sexually molested. So we came back here to the Ozarks of Missouri. And, um, okay. But I still have these beautiful no. properties if no. anybody is right. interested. Right, and that those things happen occasionally. I know it's happened down in Via Cabamba. I hear, I hear about, but it doesn't happen where we are. But uh, uh, sorry to hear that happen to you. Again, getting outside, oh, out in the country, and away from people and two females with no male around. Uh, sorry, sorry it happened to you. Yeah, um, that's that's uh, what happens down, down there. But up here in America, yeah. it seems to be the reverse. It seems well, that out in the work. country is safer than being in the cities in America. Well, for now, for now, for now, okay? Yeah, now. right, right. Okay, all right, Jim. So uh, in there, 
they're probably right. When he had that conference in Santiago, I was just over the mountains there in Argentina, right, in that time frame. I remember mm-hmm. when I think that went yeah. on. And Sovereign Man's kind of over in Chile, opposite uh, where I was in Argentina, basically. I would have liked to have gone over there and met the guy. I've read a bunch of his stuff, just never had the opportunity. Uh, it was the guy that was uh, trying to s- speak a minute ago when uh, Jill started. Yeah, hey, Roger. It's Hello. Jack Colorado. Hey, Jack. A couple quick questions for you. Yes, I'm sir. I'm about to go over to the bank and get this affidavit notarized and mail it off to the Secretary of State. I'm wondering. Yes, sir. How many notarized copies do I need? Like an actual notarized um, affidavit. I only think. Versus you know, can't hurt. Can't hurt to have a couple of originals just in case somebody wants one. I, you know, I hear about that, but I, nobody's ever come on the show and said they said I've got to have an original copy. So, uh, I don't think it's that big a deal myself. Realize you can also, uh, two witnesses suffices for a notary. Okay. Um, Second question, I'm actually going to do my revocation of election, too, before the end of the year here in about a week. So um, I see that it's probably a good idea to put legal lawful notice, not to be construed as a filing on my notice to the IRS. What I also yeah, that's that not a revocation. Uh, uh, probably not, but you'll want to send them a copy of the uh, affidavit, obviously, when you do that. I would check both Weiss Paris. Are you familiar with Weiss Paris, Jack? No. Oh, is that the, uh, I think it's a website, right? It's a website, WeissParis.com. He specialized in revocation of election. Just sending them a notice is not revocation of election. Revocation of election is after you've sent them notice, going back and applying for the last three years you've paid in. That's revocation of election. Okay. So I, I don't get the, to the IRS. Yeah. I okay. she just don't. People have a tendency to get those confused. Okay. Okay, yeah, I'll look okay. into that then. All right. And you got plenty of time to Thanks. do that. You don't have to do that by the end of the year on the revocation of three years back. You can do that next year uh, yeah. if you want to. Look well, into it. The other place, hold on. The other place you need to look, Weiss Paris. And evidently, sedm.org has got a lot of info on there. That's what John uh, said that he used. Uh, are you familiar with Josh's site out there, SEDM? No. Okay, it's SEDM, SE, Sam, Eastern, Dog, Mike, dot org. S-E-D-M okay. dot org, okay? All right, I got it. Thank you. Yep. All right. Anything hey, else, Jack? All right. Hold on. Let's no, make sure Jack's Appreciate done. It. All right. Got a question? Come forward. Yeah, it's, it's Tom. Um, I went to go into the Telegram channel, 
and it said somebody had just logged into your Telegram channel, and it, it just gave a latitude, and uh, I couldn't figure out whether it was me or not. It probably was, but I, it, it didn't say you want to check? So I said, no, it's not me to kick me out of the telegram. Can somebody send me a, a new link to get back into there? Cause I can't figure out how to get on it. I'll send it to you, Tom. I think it, thank you. I thought it was you. I went back and looked at your, for your email, but I couldn't find it. So this time I'm going to save it on a document. Thank you. Tom, if you can bookmark the web, address nationalstatusfreedom.com that will automatically forward you to that very channel in telegram okay nationalstatusfreedom.com yep thank you very much thank you very much thank you you're welcome no problem all right where else can we go this morning Show's going, man! I can't believe it's all, all, all hey, just gone forty minutes. Yes, Gary, is that you, my friend? Sounds like Alan. No, I don't. Uh, this is Otis. All right. Roger. Oh, oh, hey, Otis! You kind of sounded like Gary a little bit. Hey, Otis, what's going on, man? I'll take that as a compliment. All right. Uh, when I was explaining this stuff at Thanksgiving. Um, well, the question is, anytime we say citizen, we are referring to 14th Amendment citizen. Is that correct? Not necessarily. It's another one of this equivocation area. Go back to the Declaration of Independence. It uses the word citizen. It's capitalized. Citizen in the 14th Amendment is small case. So in that in that reference, as a, as a lowercase, it's we were referring to the Fourteenth Amendment citizen. Yes, always okay. and uh, other other little catch-all U.S. persons. You ever seen that? I certify I'm a U.S. person. Same thing. Okay, resident. Same thing. So they got several different ways to get you back into that little uh, servitude condition with these little okay. tricks. They're very the other- slick. They're very very slick bastards these people they need to be taken off out of the gene pool and off the face of the earth well the other question i had was on the word resident um for the life of me that in one of your interviews and i couldn't find it but um now maybe not in all circumstances but is the word resident placing us in the jurisdiction of Washington, D.C. Is that yes. correct? Yes. Yes, let's go over the whole thing. Because it's, it's got a very, uh, uh, the original the original usage of the word was when countries sign a treaty and exchange ambassadors. Okay? And the foreign ambassador is considered to be in residence. So he's representing the other country in our country, and it's the laws of his country that apply to him while he's in residence, not the laws of our country. 
If you go back to Vattel, Vattel's Law of Nations, and when I first got on the air, a listener sent me copies of the pages, the relevant pages in Vattel that deal with residency. And everywhere in there, he calls it a resident alien. In Vattel's Law of Nations, resident is not referred to as resident. It's referred to as a resident alien because you're residing in somewhere and alien laws apply to you. And see, they dropped alien off this, off the back end and assigned a geographical definition. If you were asked your whole life, are you a resident alien? You might have asked a question or two about it, right? Right. Okay. So what they're asking you when they ask us, and the 14th Amendment says, if you meet these two tests, you're a citizen of the United States and of the state wherein you reside. There's the residency part of it. Tying us with capital S state, that's tying us back to Washington. To federal federal yes and so when they ask you that here's what the real technical question they're asking you are you a federal citizen living in one of the 13th amendment several states who is uh, asking for protection from the federal government for its new federal citizen against any potential actions against you by the state you're living in they're protecting their new black, mainly black citizens, if you want to look at it like that, from any retribution from the state against them. So that's that's the real technical way to look at it, okay? The simpler way is, are you under the laws of the 14th Amendment and the federal government? Because really the question is, what set of laws are you under? Just like here. I mean, the, uh, they want the, all these countries around the world want you to be a resident. Why? Because then you're a resident there. Then those laws apply to you. Now, this is very interesting. Let's look at this from another angle. So, have you filed your affidavit, Otis? Uh, no, not yet. I'm hoping to get that get it wrapped up by the end of the year here. Okay, so you're still a resident then uh, in the technical sense that you're a 14th Amendment citizen, right? Now, what does that mean? That means you get your rights from the 14th Amendment, you owe the correlative duties to the 14th Amendment and the federal government, right? Yep. All right, when you do file this, that's going to change. So what's going to happen now? Because now you're moving back over and you get God's laws and you owe God the duties. So where's your residency now? Heaven. Right. Good deal. No, I thought I had it. I thought I had it uh, fairly pinned down, but I just kind of wanted to double check on those two details. To, To me, it makes. It's easy to say easier to say Fourteenth Amendment citizen when I'm trying to explain it to somebody, and right? Or guess, federal. Try federal. You might can substitute federal citizen. That works too. Right. And same thing with D.C. It seems like geographically, 
for me, it's easier to paint a picture uh, around that area as far as explaining it as well. Well, you know, we had a guy um, in our Patriot group in Atlanta. Ken Jorgensen was his name. Brent, if Brent's with us, he'll probably remember him. Um, And he was telling us he went up to D.C. one time, and they were driving back to Atlanta. And as you drove into Virginia, you know, those green signs like you're now leaving Tennessee and entering Arkansas, the great governor, Bill Clinton, or whatever, you know. Well, as he's driving back to Atlanta and he got to Virginia, there's a big green sign that says, you're leaving the United States. <laughs> yeah, I've seen pictures of that. <laughs> yeah, right there. Okay, I appreciate so, uh, it. That's... Otis, where, where are you? Where Are you up in North Carolina? Uh, no, Indiana. Uh, oh, okay, you're in Indiana. All right. Well, here's the good news is we got Christmas in a couple of weeks, and you can go back to the Christmas dinner table and explain it to them. Well, I, I just wanted to double-check. I did did explain it correctly. I figured I'd better double-check before I get too deep into other people. And and how many ugly names did they call you? Uh, oh, none, none. Yeah, these are my siblings. They're... They're on the same page, but just like everybody else. Oh, good. Else. You're lucky. Oh, boy, you're they, lucky. They, uh, I need to step out there and get my see if my head gets chopped off before they uh, well, put theirs on. In other words, okay, okay, Otis, well, listen, we'll, we'll wait and see how you do. Is that right? Well, that's exactly what they said. Yeah. And, you oh, know, yeah. and, how, did you an- and how did you answer them? I said, oh, no, I, I figured. Uh, I'm not surprised. No, no, no. Here's how you answer them. How long are you going to wait? Right, right, right. Comment. So glad to have you. Yes, sir. Mr. Tom, I think that's commenting there. Yeah, yeah a couple of things. That reminds me of the, what was that uh, about the Revolutionary War? It says, in the beginning, the Patriot was a scarce and uh, um, unknown person, but once freedom was attained by everyone else, then they became, uh, uh, everybody jumped in. It was like, you know, you go into that boat and see if it sinks. If it doesn't sink, then we'll come and join you. Yeah, yeah when it costs nothing. Rubbish. When it costs right. nothing is when all those people come in. Right, yeah. And so that's all right. That's all that right. I heard you. Yeah, the other thing I heard you say once, and I'm, at least I think it was you, you said, when somebody asks you if you're a resident, you ask them, is that in a political sense or a geographical sense? Yeah. Was that you that right. said that? Yeah, well, yeah. you say, are, are you imputing our political or geographical definition of that word? Yeah, now. Uh, Mirka was helping me because I was trying to understand if somebody comes up and they say, are you a resident? I'd say, no, I'm a national. And they, if they said, well, national what? You know, that that's where I get hung up. National of the United States of America. What's hard about that? Okay, not a U.S. national. As you can me. use that. I'm, here's I'm the difference. Now, here's what I think's going on there. Internally, in the federal government, they've got to recognize state citizen, don't they? Yes, I right. think so. They notice it by being a U.S. national. 
if it's not inside the federal nomenclature, it's a national. If you're inside the state, I'm a national. But they're both the hey, same Roger, thing. USD? Yes. It's uh, American National in 8 USC 1503. So that's how they describe that? it. That's the only, it, only place I've ever seen it used like American National. Okay. So but evidently like that's correct too. Yeah, they're they're using it as an uh, explanation, like a description, but it's not a definition, Roger. Um, and I think no. there okay. was but they're still they're, that's okay. But they're still using the term. Right. Yeah, they are. And the definition links to the small s state. Yes. Right. Okay. So, but there's not um, one, a state national that you've found yet, is there, Abram? No, no, no. And I don't think that, that we will find one. I think that that's. I just, don't think you will um, either. When, when they about, don't want. They don't the federal, want anything to connect anything to the old state citizen. That's that's why. Go ahead. Okay. Um, with the equivocation of U.S. citizen and federal citizen, uh, you know, they've done a really good job of confusing the issues with the uh, United States and Washington, D.C. And really, when you, when you, at the end of the day, what D.C. is the District of Columbia. Okay. So Columbia is the God, the God, the male God that All the right. Statue of Liberty is made after. Yep. And if yep. we could change this to Columbia, so you're a citizen of Columbia. Okay, it's like the city of London, right? The city of London versus London. They have this equivocation there. Well, you know, it's not Washington, D.C. It's Columbia. You're a citizen of Columbia. The United States is Columbia. You know, Columbia is a real district, and Congress has complete control and full jurisdiction over Columbia exclusively. They don't have any senators, right? So if you have a senator, then, uh, you know, you are not in the United States. You are the territories. So... You know, I've, I've been trying to change the way I, I think and, and talk about D.C. or the United States because it's, it's Columbia. Yeah. It's not the United States. It's Columbia. It's like their the new London, city of London. Yeah, Another I disagree thing, with you, Abram. Roger. Another thing for yes, um, Tom, he uh, has his experience as a paralegal. And I didn't put this, I didn't explain this to him the first time. I just gave him the regular definitions that we usually use. But if you look at um, statutes at large, Tom, public, uh, it's statute 66, public law 414, and it's title one, definition 21 is our definition. And then they have one separated for the um, American Samoan, which is the national of the United States. Bill Clinton came out in one of the... Can you repeat that one more time? I can't write that fast. Okay, it's... um, Organic Statutes at Large, Statute 66, Public Law 414, Title I, Definition 21. Now, is that, was that, there was an executive order that Bill Clinton put out back in the 90s that had some of this stuff in it. I just don't remember, but I remember it being brought up and talked about that's not the same one we're dealing with here, I assume. That was an executive order. Anyway, so. Tom. I didn't uh, see anything about Clinton okay. on it. Okay. All right. Um, so, 
Yeah, the residency thing. If you go back to words and phrases, Tom, uh, you know that group of books? Are you familiar with those books? Yes. Yes. Go look under resident and residency. And there's a court case in there, uh, excerpt, cite, and it says whenever the word resident is used in any legal context, its definition is always legal. Always. Okay. Yeah, I just because I mean I don't anticipate someone even understanding what I'm saying. If you know, you know, like you, you, for some reason you get somebody with the government come up and and you know they're, you're they're, maybe they're standing at the edge of your property and they say, "Are you the resident? Or are you a resident?" You know, uh, saying national, you they're, say they're no. like, you know, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, they're no, not going to be sorry anywhere. Who knows? Sorry, I'm yeah, not you, a resident. Yeah, okay. You would just say that you're not a U.S. citizen, you're a state citizen Are you a, of yeah, yeah. a Texas citizen. Or if you really want to throw them for a loop, go back and ask them whether they're associating a geographical or a legal definition to the word they're using. Right, yeah. yeah I would just say, you know, are you asking me in a geographical or political sense? Well, I, I would, yeah, I'd say, uh, what definition are you attributing to the word you're using? Okay, you'll yeah, their, the eye, their eyes, <laughs> their their eyes will yeah. roll back in the back of their head. Okay, yeah, yeah. Define resident. What do you what do you what are you calling? What do you think a resident is, or something along those lines? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't yeah. anticipate anybody asking, well, you know, me, but you never know, you know. Well, you never know. And and really, even you can have a lot of fun with this stuff, and people, really, once you learn it and have command of it, you can play with them like a little cat with a mouse. Yeah, well, it's just like Roger, I used to do with a $100 bill I carried around. I'd go to the bank, and I had one of those bills that said, we'll pay to the bear on demand $100. So I'd give it to him. I said, I'd like to get $100, please. And they go like, oh, you want 20s? I said, no, I want $100. They said, well, what? that is $100. I said, it can't be. It says, if I give you this piece of paper, you're going to give me $100. I said, if this thing said, if I give you this piece of paper, you'll give me 100 bananas, are you just going to hand it back to me? And sometimes I got through to them. Sometimes they escorted me out of the bank, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, you can have a lot of fun with, with that too, uh, with, with currency. Who was, who was our little female that was trying to ask Ro something? Right. Roger. Yeah. Hi. Can yes. we say national citizen, national citizen? Would that be correct for us? National sure. citizen? I'm a national Of course. Citizen. Correct. Great. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. You know what? We do things, Tom, like go, uh, you know, you're going to check out in the checkout lane and you go up to the little little teenage, you know, female cashier and go, do, do you still take Federal Reserve notes? Oh, no, 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 we don't take those. <laughs> so, yeah, you can. Uh, I know. Yeah, I've, you, I've you, messed with people you know, with that. <laughs> no, we'd never take one of those. Um 
So you can have some fun if you want to. Just get a little late in the game. Uh, you need to be trying to help people understand and find who's listening. Uh, but we're getting real late in the game, folks. This uh, thing I watched this morning, the great taking, we're very close. And and then on the back end, the vice is the turn of the years right around the corner. And next November is the big election that they can't they can't even cheat their way into winning that one. Okay. So there's your, hey, there's your vice right there. Abram. I uh, just thought of a funny way that you could uh, rephrase that question to the cashier. You'd say, oh, I forgot. Uh, I didn't bring any money. Do you guys take debt notes? Yeah, right, they're never right. gonna... You could do that, too. Sure. Uh, babble bucks. We used to call them babble bucks. Do you still take babble bucks? Um, everything that they've done is controlling that money, and the only way they've been able to do that is by making us serfs and being able to have that credit spout they can leaven off of. Debt upon debt upon debt upon debt upon debt. That's not Lulabelle, is it, Mark? Something was going on there. No, sorry, that was my alarm. Or you could tell them at the register, sorry, I didn't bring any money. Do you take currency? Yeah. Yeah, yep, yeah, you can play with that. Uh, well, evidently, there's not too much circulating right now, even though we've got prices going up. They've been cutting the circulating supply, and the prices are going up because of all the crap they're doing. Um, so, yeah, any Roger, other uh, folks? That, that feeds right back any, in. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Abram. I was going to say that feeds right back into the uh, the Great Depression or the Greater Depression, which is what we're heading into. Because one of the yeah, things well, uh, that David Rogers Webb covers in his book, he says, it's, you know, when, when people were asked, and he asked his family members, what was it like in the Great Depression? And he says, there was right. just no money. Nobody had any right. money because they, 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 the, the liquidity. Yep. And, and no one, you know, so they, right. they took all the money out of circulation and everyone was broke. Yep. Well, they they confiscated all the gold and outlawed it. Then they made you new, use the new paper currency, and they restricted the issuance of it. So it was a deflationary depression, where instead of an inflationary one, where there's too much circulating currency, there was too little circulating currency. What did the guy say? He said, uh, well, my parents got killed. He's an old, old guy that uh, he knew there in Cleveland. He said, well, my parents both got killed in an automobile accident. And so I went to live with my uncle on his farm, and we didn't ever even know there was a depression. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, his uncle said that. He said, yep, yeah, that's right. And if you have a place, you know, if you can take care of yourself, you know, as a child, you wouldn't have any clue if you had good parents. That, right. That, you know, kept you so here's the deal. Get get where you can eat, and, and, uh, and we've been preaching this for years to get yourself into the best position possible. Uh, and because uh, it's probably going to last oh, a few years. And not going to be a here today, gone to Maui type deal. Comment. No, the, the deadline yes. hey, is uh, 2030. This, you know. Right. Yeah, I would I would 
make a uh, comment on that, not knowing the depression was going on, that would be the case if you didn't owe any money. That's what he said. He, that's what he said. Don't be in debt. That, that's what he, another point he made. Thank you for bringing that up. Don't be in debt. And he said right now in people he's talking to, you know, he said, these are the kind of tough decisions. Do you go out and sell your home and go start renting? Cause you don't want to carry that debt a little late to do that. Probably, especially in the undesirable situation, which is our current housing market. But, uh, uh but just as the people get out of debt, Oh, I, I've just, I haven't been in debt in 20 something years. Now, when I had this foot accident five years ago, I went in, I had to go into debt for about five years to pay that off. And I hated it. I mean, okay. I did nothing like being out of debt, debt free. It's like having weights lifted off your shoulders. What Abram? Um, so concerning the, the concept of beneficial owner versus real owner, one of the things he, he, he has an example where he says, I don't think this is in the book, but this is in, in a, a, a documentary he did that's separate. He said, think of it as if you bought your car from a dealership. You paid for your car in full, and now you think it's yours free and clear. But really, you right. only have a beneficial property right in that. And what has happened is the dealership, with a certificate you know, of ownership, they have collateralized that certificate with someone else. And so you've been driving around for two or three years without making a payment. But this certificate out there exists, and they've collateralized it. And suddenly the dealership goes under, and the collateral for that certificate is taken. And then they come and take your car, right? And you right. had no idea because you never really owned it. Every, and he says every people start car, getting worried every, and they go pay off your car. Right. Every car the dealership has ever sold, they can go back and confiscate, even though it's totally free and clear because of this underlying yep. stuff. You know, I That's what's going on worldwide with all of the securities right now, with everything. But if you have a salvage title, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the salvage title. I'm wondering if that maybe that's not the exception. Uh, anyway, it's worth, it's very complex, but all of you, it, that's worth looking up and watching over, uh, over the weekend. The great taking. Okay. Joe, have you watched that yet? You know what we're talking about? Guess not. Um, I need, you need to send that to Dr. Schroeder. So, uh, where else can we go this morning? We've got about an hour left. I can't believe it's slow. It's slow. The show seems to be going very slow today. I hadn't done a two-hour show. Hey, Roger, I have something else. Yes, go ahead, Dave. Um, I think the real monkey wrench in, in their plans is this uh, uh, national status, right? If you're a citizen, well, it can you can't own property it, because they have a property right in you. And so right. this is the the you know the exception like in the minnesota constitution uh a loyal land title is in the constitution that you can own your own your land free and clear you know there's some exceptions for uh imminent domain and things like that but aside of that so someone in minnesota owns the land outright 
Probably right. a lot of it. Probably most of it. My my guess is that all this land that's been sectioned up and in, uh, into lots and and people buy their homes and so on and pay property tax. That is probably someone else's allodial property. And so uh, you know this when you change status, all of a sudden you can own this stuff. You can own your stock. You can. You know, maybe you can make a claim on that certificate from the seed company. It's spelled C-E-D-E. If you look up C-E-D-E right. company and you'll, you'll come up on Wikipedia, they own 83% of all stocks, the actual shares, the actual shares. So not the beneficial shares, not the things that the brokers trade or that people trade, you know, on the market. So when they pull the pin, these guys will take everything and you will own nothing and be happy, as they say. I don't have any shares, so I won't be so upset, but a lot of people will. Don't don't want to own any of this, that stuff. Thank you very much. So, um, pretty hairy time that we're in, folks. You can, you can see where this is Revelation 18 time, <laughs> okay? Because any of that stuff could happen any moment, literally. Um, questions? Anybody else? Comments? Any new folks on the board for the first time that are like overwhelmed? There's somebody right there. Yes. Hey, it's Devin again. Hey, Devin again. Hello. Yep. Yeah. Just wanted to share a really interesting occurrence that happened yesterday. So I was meeting with a, uh, um, with a friend of an acquaintance. And uh, she she's a she operates a type of business where she coaches people, and we were talking, talking, talking. And uh, she said that uh, she used to work in HR, and uh, she's like, "Man, I, I really hate it. You know, some people just think they don't have to pay taxes." And uh, I'm like, "Really? <laughs> Tell me about that." And uh, we got into a pretty in-depth conversation about it. She's like, yeah, like the, 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 what, what I remember is like one of them saying that they were a national or something. I'm like, oh. How'd she um, say that? Well, you're, yeah, she said that. I'm like, well, uh, yeah, and it, what was funny was uh, we were hitting the top of the hour when she brought that up. So we got into this uh, conversation, and our meeting went on an extra hour and a half. And by the end of it, oh, she yikes. was just jaw-dropping, looking at <laughs> just wow blown away and uh we got into uh you know talking a little bit more personally on what uh, she's dealing with her and her husband were seriously considering expatriating because uh, they're tired of all the crap and oh, like, cool. no, no, you, you don't you don't really have to do that here i got this document here let me send you this your way tell me what you think you caught him you caught him in time good deal Devin. that's hard lifting mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, a little, little bit of good news to lighten up the mood here. Um, but that that was a pretty interesting uh, event, and I had I've had a couple of other talks like that um, throughout the two month uh, break uh, that I've taken here. So there's been a lot of good things going on over here. You know, I think it was Scott, somebody that there's a Facebook group that deals with expatriation, and he tried to post some information on the Facebook group, what we do, and they kicked him out of the group. He got zucked. I guess. I wonder what group that was. Um, I don't know. They're trying to hide it from the people. Don't know. Did you guys see? 
Did anybody see this guy? In, he was on all the InfoWars hosts. 26 years old. His last name is Ruben. That is, uh, is, is making this documentary. And is, he flew down here to Quito and did the whole smuggler's route from by, I'm 10 miles from the airport. Okay. So he landed real close to me and then he went down the whole thing through Columbia and up through and all of that stuff, uh, documented it. Um, did anybody see that this week interview with that guy? It's an incredible story. No, I mean, jaw-dropping. Check it out. Well, I mean, it's jaw-dropping, okay? And and uh, the whole story, they got kidnapped by the Mexican cartel who thought they were smuggling. It, they were trying to get back into the U.S. right where Musk's SpaceX is, right at the mouth of the Rio Grande into the Gulf of Mexico. And they were walking up the beach, and they get kidnapped by Mexican cartel drug members who are smugglers and think that they're encroaching on their territory and trying to smuggle. And they get them all loaded up in a, uh, you know, just all, a, horror, a horror story. They get, they got talking Spanish on the phone to somebody, interrogations and stuff like that. And they pass the phone over to him and it's a female speaking English. And he talks to her and she says, you tell them exactly what you just told me and don't deviate. Okay. And so in, they stop in the middle of the desert. Everybody gets out of the car. They can't figure out what they're doing. They start looking through all of their gear and they find a drone. One of the things they had was a drone. They freak out, okay, start smashing all their camera equipment, all right? Finally, somehow these guys get away. They let them go. And they get back in the States, and the problem was they had smashed all the equipment with all their documentary film. And for him to make a, a documentary, they were going to have to either retrieve what they could of that or else come and fly and do the whole thing over again, which they didn't want to do. Okay. This is real dangerous. So get this. He contacts one of the cartels on Facebook. The cartels have Facebook pages, and he contacts the one oh he thought gosh. they were dealing with, and the guy goes, well, he says, I'll pay you if you can get me this footage back. And he puts them in touch with somebody, and they get all the SD cards back. He contacted them on Facebook. But you can't have one. Mike Adams can't have one. Alex Jones can't, but the Sinaloa cartel can that's crazy. Well, they have a contract with the CIA. So, you know, contract law. <laughs> sure. And I mean, it's just, man, come out of her. My people come out of her. His people are the ones that respond to this message. Come out of her the best you can. And if you're just coming to the scene, do you better get your ass in gear. Because we don't have much time left. Hey, Roger. Well, it's Shane. I think I hearken to remember that voice from many years ago. Yeah. 
Man, multiple years ago. Hi, how are you? I'm all right, Shane. How are you? Oh, I saw that movie Leave the World Behind, uh, I think on Thursday on uh, Bitchy yeah. Free, free uh, right. service. And it's yeah. pretty good. Got some uh, real good, uh, uh, supposedly good actors in it. Um, I really did not understand what the, the plot was about, you know, but, but it's pretty good. Got some uh, well, real. Well, I need uh, you know what? You know what, Shane? All I needed to know was that the Obamas, the Obamas produced it, and I said, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to waste my time seeing that. Thank you very much. But you well, did see it. Free, so. uh-huh. Okay, well, I know you like free stuff. Yep. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. So uh, what motivated you to come uh, join us today, Shane? Well, you have been harping that you haven't heard from me, so I'm just making myself known. Well, I don't know if I was harping about it. I might have been commenting on it, but glad to see you pop up. All right. Shane is a long-time listener. Yeah, I don't have any particularly. Do you? Somebody did over there a second ago. So let's see, let's see, Shane. Did somebody have a comment or a question? Do you have anything for Shane here? Not for Shane. Shane's but I been a question for you. Oh, okay, good. As uh, a day from Arizona, I haven't talked to you for a while, but uh, I do have a question. All righty. Uh, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government. When when do we take that into place and put it to use? After you've pay it peaceably redressed all of your grievances. And you see, that's where we come in, because what we're doing is not only redressing our grievances, is we don't have to take their answer because they're all based on fraud. So all we got to do is get enough people and we can form our own legitimate government that's not the one they've hijacked. But we got to get enough people first. Okay, so how many people do we need? Hell, I don't know, but we need a hell of a lot more than we got now. All right. Hey, Roger, can I add something to that? Yes, sir. Um, you know, look into into this uh, Washington and Washington, D.C. and U.S., United States uh, equivocation. The Constitution uh, appropriates land specifically for the District of Columbia, which is the United States, right? So... The United States is a political subdivision of the United States of America, like explicitly. Okay, that's why Congress yes. has jurisdiction over that. So a higher set of law has given, granted this uh, authority or power to the United States, right? But as soon as they lose it, as soon as people are no longer citizens, then they don't have any uh, uh, constituents or any, you know, serfs. Or, or citizens, and and essentially their influence and authority would go away. You know that's ideal. See, but, they uh, have so hypothecated 
They've done the whole thing through bankruptcy. So they've hypothecated this great big debt, and then they put you in as a surety. You're the oxen that pulls the debt cart, okay? And what we can do is unplug you from that. Now it leaves them with their own debt wagon. Pull it yourselves, you pieces of crap. Another yes, thing eat, too, eat your own dog food. Another thing, yes. uh, if it's going to work and the people are going to be, we're going to be bringing in people to do that, people need to know what they're talking about too. They need to do the their homework and understand what, what we're in the middle of, you know, what we're doing. Listen, if you, don't, if you don't understand what's going on, you're not free. If you, if you don't want to be free and don't want to study and learn, why do you even want to go through the process? Oh, but you know why? Because they can relieve themselves from taxation burden. That's why. But you see, it's not taxes that are the problem. The taxes are the symptom of the problem. And the only way we're going to solve the problem is by people getting educated and getting free and getting enough of us where we can go have the numbers to do the sorts of things we need to do. Common law grand juries, common law courts. We're not even organized. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff, it's, it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to be easy, but you got to work towards something. Comprehending got to learn what we're dealing with comprehending what we're dealing with and the book has historical jurisprudence is also something that everybody needs to review and well, that's one of that that's one of the big concepts that's one of the big concepts you got to have your arms around here you don't want to go in and try and learn about the ucc folks you want to learn the overview of it and the concept of it, how it works, how it operates, and how it fits into the other moving pieces of the big slavery puzzle here. You don't have to learn it in depth, but you have to be familiar with it, okay? If you don't have those familiarities, you can't defend your position. You don't know how things work. You can't explain it to anybody else. You can't explain it to anybody if you're challenged. You can't teach anybody else, so you're basically neutered. And when the shit comes down and this kind of information needs to be brought forward in a rebuilding capacity so they don't have loopholes they can screw us again, you can't contribute. None of that happens if you don't learn the information. None of it. Another, Roger. Another thing is learning the definite the difference between public and private. All of that stuff, and it's not difficult. I mean, it's new. Some of it's complex. You're having to unwind different crap they've woven in your mind, but it's not tremendously difficult. I mean, they made us all Jim Crow. That's what's going on in the big picture. That's not hard. Okay. Roger. Yes, ma'am. It's Thora. Um, Thora. I am just wondering. Hi. Um, so glad you're back. And um, I'm just wondering if there's anybody on this call or um, that does have uh, work for themselves, have their own business that we can maybe talk to off the show so Gary. we don't take up time here. But I just yeah. somebody who who can tell us Darryl? how they structure their business. Daryl would be one. Gary would be one. 
that those two come to mind right off the bat. There may be others. Joe has his okay. own uh, uh, his own guitar instruction. He's a, a guitar maestro teacher. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple of people that you could speak with about we, that. We can we can also cover it live. Just the basic stuff that people do. You know, having their mm-hmm. own business. So a lot all the other students learn too at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you know, Daryl came on. This was about five years ago, Thora. And Daryl came on one day, like he does often. He's just out of the blue, you know. And he goes, I want the audience to know that Roger's process has saved me over $150,000 in income tax. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're just, um, we we are just in a position now where we're, We've gotten our um, affidavits ready to file, and we are. And I've, I'm, I'll, I'll be ready to send out notices when we all do that. But um, I mean, once I get the green card receipt back and everything, but we have to figure out how we operate as nationals, owning our own businesses, um, and that's right now what we have to figure well, out. Well, I hear. Here's the only negative that I see. If you don't use an entity of some sort, then you take on liability. I don't know, you know, right. especially with Ed in a medical situation, that's got to have some import, okay? But to me, that yeah. would be the most important. The taxation isn't. The licensure and stuff shouldn't be a problem. It's just any potential liability. And uh, I just don't know about that. And I'd hate to give yeah. you an answer that I, that's wrong, okay? Question. Do you have employees? Yes. Do you have employees? Well, yes. No, we Do you don't. have employees? Oh, well, they bless your We don't. Blessed. That's a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> Makes it yeah. a lot easier. Yeah, we're both self-employed. So, He's got a he has a medical practice and I have a manufacturing company. But it's just me. You, so. Um, you know, heading it as a trust, that might be an option as I said. It your uh, Ed's medical, you that could be a perfect PMA. I think that's why a lot of medical people are u- using that model around the country. Okay, but that then you, just like the doctor that doesn't want to take insurance anymore, and he sets it up, and his people pay him hundred dollars a month or whatever, and he takes care of them the whole year. You know, uh, but there are different ways around it. But that's. Uh, I can understand where a PMA would work real well in the medical application. So I just okay. don't have much expertise in this, Thora. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's why but, I was wondering if I if there's other people I could maybe hook up with. Um, I don't to, know. Yeah, I don't know. You haven't dropped. Once you drop me an email, so I've got your email address in my little database thingy okay do you have okay. my email yes, address sir. okay drop me one of those thora okay and okay I'll, very good uh, thank you I, I can put you in touch with those folks thank you so much no you're welcome so roger this is jill back from missouri uh are you familiar with uh, a growing 
body here in the States called Tactical Civics. I've seen that. Have you heard of interviewed. them? Yes, yes. I saw him interviewed on uh, Ann Vandersteel and Jan when they were sitting in for yeah. a couple of ago had him on one day he's got that book he's reprinted a book on the history of the grand jury which i was very anxious and i uh, shot his website to both brent and daryl because they both expressed an interest in getting that a copy of that book and we need to have a copy of that book so i have a little bit i i, I heard him say they go to the supreme court of the state that you have to have permission to do a grand jury and this, that, and the other, and they need to know about what we do. They were on there with Vandersteel, so they may know about the national status, but because she's an Anna Von Wright's person, I don't know how much she knows about it, quite frankly. Yeah. Hey, Roger. Roger. Yeah, is that Gary? Yeah, is that Gary? Yeah. Yes. I've tried to interact with the tactical civics group up here in Flathead County. They want nothing to do with our stuff. All U.S. citizens, they think they got it all figured out. They want nothing to do with things. Well, there you go, Jill. Yeah, Roger. I was was just bringing it to your attention in case you hadn't heard about them. One county at a time seems to be their goal. Well, she's, he's going to end up about the same success that the common law grand juries had after the Murrug building bombing, which was nothing, because they can't they can't do anything as serfs to affect the change in the system. Okay? That's what I so they may on their be, website. That, you know, I, I, I if if they're open to learning. I'm more than happy to talk to them, but my experience with all these people like that is they, just like Gary said, they think they're right, they're closed-minded, they're not open to this, and so they're stuck in a perpetual roundabout, if you will. And, and Roger, they got to have permission from the, from the government right. to do anything right. they do. Right. Roger. Yeah, right. So he has, to, he has to go get permission first to do anything. What does that tell you, Jill? What, Merka? Yeah. I was going to tell you that I was looking at their website, too, and you know that um, Vander Steel, you know, DS, they all ask, they use the U.S. system tool. They use their the, the resources from the U.S. system. So they're still asking for permission, and who knows? You know, maybe they're not all of them are doing the process correctly, so they're still, probably still U.S. citizens. I don't know. I I I I know Vandersteel got a passport uh, because she, when I was talking to Calendar, she had gone over and flown to the Bahamas to sit visit him and flew back in and said she. I remember him saying Ann got back into the U.S. with her passport. Well, we know how that whole thing works and why. You know, see, my big problem is they don't understand what's really happening underneath because they don't know it's the feudal system. They don't even know the system of law that's being used against them. <clears throat> Roger, I have a question. Um, this property that uh, I own up here in Missouri, uh, from the beginning, I intended to use my house uh, for teaching 
the Bible, I was planning on putting my Bible school credentials to use. However, my understanding is that our Constitution gives us tax immunity just by virtue of being a church or a synagogue as opposed to tax exemption where you have to become a 501c3 and you're owned by the state. My question, Roger, is do you foresee me having any problems when I tell my tax assessor here that I have a uh, tax immunity because I am, uh, well, I could call myself Torah's Majesty. That's really the name of my property because I, I want to teach people the Torah, which I understand that our Constitution is founded on. Do you foresee me having any problems in saying, no, I am not going to become a 501c3 tax exemption when our Constitution no. gives me tax you immunity? You're not, for, you're not forced. you got to volunteer in and apply to be a 501c3. They don't force you. You can go register in your county as a church. You shouldn't have any problems at all. A bunch of our okay, patriot because people were doing that, registering themselves as churches because of the protections that they got doing it. I've never heard of anybody having a problem unless they volunteered in to 501c3 and then wanted to get back out. That's where the problems yeah. come. No problem yeah, that you well, volunteer in. I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, I, I've never done that, but my question is, do you know whether or not being uh, declared a tax Im immune organization, does the Fed tell you that you cannot be an owner of property if you are uh, under tax immunity? So. Have I you heard anything know. about I that? I, I haven't. Don't know anything about that. Churches own property all the time, don't they? Well, the the uh, chief instructor for the Institute on the Constitution, David Whitney, back in Maryland, he told me that as a free church, which is under tax immunity, they were not allowed to own property. Okay. Well, I don't know anything about that, so you'll have to go consult with him. Roger, okay, I, I help yeah, people right. get out of the. I help people get out of the system and understand how it works, and all this other stuff that you guys bring. Well, I, 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 we may know something about it, but it's not my ballywick, and I don't have a lot of authority on it. Okay. Okay. It'll probably now, who's trying? If he's a Roger, right. it'll probably make a difference if he's a national versus a U.S. citizen. Yes. Also, uh, yeah, so, no, something like all, all the difference in the world. See, it, it makes all the difference in the world on what you are. Who was it, Gary, trying to say something? Uh, uh, hey, Roger. I was going to. Yeah. That's yeah. Joe. That's Joe. Yeah. I think someone else was trying to say something, but um, I was going to say, um, like, I own a, I have a storefront. I have a whole, like, business, but it's, it's a PMA. You know, like, um, it's not, it's not registered. It's not, uh, there's no like tax ID number for this thing. It's a private membership association. Um, Joe, so, I'll put, I'm going to put Thor in touch with you, Gary and Daryl. Okay. okay. So 
But if you want to go over, the uh, the rest of the audience might find that interesting. So I don't know what to tell you. But I'll put you in touch with them on the side. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell – I can just briefly tell everybody what I did. Um, I wrote these um, – basically these articles of incorporation for my business, but it's called the Private Membership Association. Okay. Um, what I did, though, was I put it in, tr- in charge of a trust – and I, I did, you know, I make the PMA donates uh, a portion of whatever it makes to this trust. The trust basically is just its banking uh, side of things, right? So it's yes. all put into a trust. But what the trust is supposed to do is provide for the PMA by by the PMA donating its funds to the trust. The trust then has a responsibility <sighs> to take care of the bills of the PMA and such. Right. So all the people who come and get services from me or acquire goods from me do it via donations. Right. So I have like a minimum donation amount. And then if you want to donate more, like if you want to get a guitar, sure, you can get a guitar. The The minimum donation for that guitar is like 160 bucks. Minimum donation. Mm-hmm. That's how I operate that or the, you know, classes and stuff like that. If you want to do a class. Right. As a private member, you can do so. And then there's a minimum donation for the classes, depending on what program you're doing and such. That's how I operate. Uh, I mean, I got big giant signs out in front of the building. You know, people come walking in, they they purchase goods and stuff like that. Well, they donate for goods. It's really the proper term. But, you know, you would think it's a regular old business like anything else, but it doesn't have any of the statutory links to it. There you That's go. the same thing Brent Winters does with his would, books. Would that be a good thing exactly. to do for a tax immune uh, church situation? I don't know about the church, but yeah, I mean, if you're doing a church, you should be tax exempt right off anyway. the bat. No, tax well, immune. Yeah. Na- if she's a national... I wonder. Um, I don't think Jill has See, a, uh, Jill, uh, you, you keep talking about the church. You're the one that that needs to get the protection from the tax thing. The church is automatically protected, whether it's 501c3 or not. Okay. Okay. You know, Roger, Jim Jim Ram has quite a bit of experience on the church side of running things. Doesn't he have a church? Didn't he do that structure for himself? Yes, and he does a lot of stuff through that, um, from what I understand. I don't know much about it, but I know what Jim does. Jim has a ministry. Yeah. It's not a church, it's a ministry. We've got a ministry here, but I just don't take your donations and stuff generally it's a ministry of freedom right here on the radio roger i i got something i'd like to read if you allow me uh from lee prost and it gets into this 14th amendment the district of columbia the public uh in law versus the private at law if you will think about those when i read that you get get sort of focus on those subtle differences. Think it's okay? Okay. I guess so. He, he sort of starts out here about all the political action groups trying to change the system, and he's, this is what he has to say. He says, 
all political action groups have failed. Here's what Roger has to say. They're peeing up a rope. Let's hear what Lee has to say. Yeah. All political action groups are peeing up a rope. <laughs> they have they have failed to make any difference because of their inability to recognize that our nation was established first and foremost as an assembly of individuals acting independently in their own best interest without harm to another. He says that's basic general common law. If the political action group went so far as to foster a constitutional convention, the basic constitution could not be changed. What the citizen is unaware of is that the first ten amendments to the Constitution called the Bill of Rights were passed as public in-law amendments by the states in the Union known as the Republic of the United States of America. These do not apply to the several states that are political subdivisions of a territory, of the 14th Amendment Trust of the District of Columbia called the Democracy. In the opposite vein, Amendments 11 through 25 were passed as private at-law amendments by the several states operating as political subdivisions of the Trust and have no application to the Republic and its citizens. Amendments 11 through 25 function outside the Constitution. Any additional amendments that would be added by a constitutional convention would be added as more private law only by the several states as a democracy outside the Republic and the Constitution. And more amendments the democracy wants to add will give more freedom and rights Will uh, the more amendments the democracy wants to add will not give more freedom and rights. On the contrary, only more oppression and control. That's it. All righty. So Thank you, Mr. Brooks. He's basically saying there's two sides of this Constitution, and we used to stay out, be protected and stay outside of it. Well, when that 14th Amendment came in, we got pulled into that district just, of Columbia just, and how it was supposed just, to function on the federal side. Just like the dissent in Downs v. Bidwell says the same thing, basically, much more concise. Was that Captain Darrell I heard uh, kind of grunting around there? Uh, looking for permission wow. to land, is he? Wow. Well, I can't even, I can't even grunt. <laughs> You got me. You got my <laughs> no, number, no, no, no. So, uh, now we, uh, you got, you got to get up pretty early to get past these sensors. <laughs> yeah, comment. Yeah. Okay. Well, somebody's got a comment uh, before you get started, Daryl. Before you get started, comment. Yeah, it's Tom. Hey, you know when when the woman was talking about the uh, the church and all that stuff, you know, you know why most churches go with a 501c3 right that's sure. because their their parishioners can deduct their donations and if of the course. church wasn't they wouldn't get yeah so that leaves an opportunity for churches to say hey uh we're going to uh res- rescind our 501c3 um uh 
whatever the hell you want to call it, membership. So, and then the people are going to say, well, like, well, we can't deduct our, we can't deduct our donations. Say, well, how about if I show you a way that you don't have to pay taxes so you don't have to worry about deductions? Go listen to Roger Sales. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's see. We're, we're fighting Schofield. Uh, <laughs> how many layers yeah. do we have to go through to get there? Yeah. I got one more one more quick question for anybody that can answer this. How long does it take? What's the average time it takes for your passport to come back after you file it in person at a at a post office? Anybody have any experience? Four to six weeks. Okay. Thank you very much. They get them back. We get them back down here in about a month. Okay. Weren't we weren't we All talking right, about they, that a couple of weeks ago? We were we were talking about the Church of the National Freedom, whatever, something like that. Yeah, come on in our church. We'll teach you how to not to pay taxes. We we're talking about that a couple of weeks ago. It's a great idea. Question: The church, the church of it's the the Church of Perpetual Freedom. Daryl, thank you for sending me Mr. Webb's documentary this morning. Quite an interesting fellow. Quite interesting information. And uh, we're real close. Yeah. Well, I only I only do these email bombs, you know, three or four times a year. And when I send them out, I want people to pay attention because uh, I don't flood people with stuff. I just... Pick out, pick out the things that are coherent and consistent with the the next phase. The next phase. Um, interestingly, when I listen to people talk, I hear most of the time I hear them fighting a rear guard. Uh, they wake up late in the game. They're encumbered with all their previous choices and perceptions. And they they get into the middle of the conversation and then try to sort it all out. Uh, now, that's understandable. That's completely understandable, by the way. That wasn't a criticism. That's just an observation. And uh, what they are not aware of at that stage in their uh, process, I guess, is that the... The machine has already gone on to its next phase. And so you're constantly behind the power curve. You're behind you're behind where it's at. And uh and that's in 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 uh perception warfare, that's that's an important strategy on their part, that they always stay ahead of your perception. And take this very uh, important well, aspect of that what he of his presentation, the changes with the uh-huh. UCC that were started and accomplished through the state level were started in 1994. That's 30 years ago. Yes, sir. They're yeah, just now yeah. about to be coming to application. You can't catch up that 30 years, folks. Yeah, this this infrastructure, uh, fictional infrastructure that they they create uh, has already been put in place and weaponized. Uh, And 
So <clears throat> there's a long-term uh, legal strategies that they're using. It's like I put in my email is, uh, you know, corruption in the United States has been uh, abolished. Uh, there is no corruption in the United States because it's all been made legal. <laughs> and, you know, the, in essence, in essence, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's the cornbread version. So uh, I'm listening to this uh, this this uh, interesting story with this lady about this uh, word called church and immunity and and these things called taxes and. And uh, all I hear is a conversation about Corban. Hmm? <laughs> she probably I hear the Corban conversation is. going on. I, don't I know. Think she knows I understand that. that. Uh, okay. Well, that's okay. That's all right. But Thor may good, not. Thor and Ed may part. not either. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that's okay. It's just part of. It's just part of what the. The experience, and if you want to call it that, a brain trust that's been operating here for some time can bring bring to the table in the conversation because uh, you're talking about a political the, the intersection and convergence of of uh, your worldview, your belief system, that spiritual component about how you live your life and the principles. And the political legal system. All these things intersect. They're not. They're not different from. They're not individual from each other. They all are uh, have been integrated together to bind and and control you through reward and punishment. Uh, and uh, uh, of course, this is this is what uh, you know. Uh, evil does the best. Wickedness. Uh, the changing of the U.S. UCC and the 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 front running of legislation and legalisms that allow them dominion and control later is wicked. It's wickedness because they know it's why does it why is it wicked? Because they know what they do. That's yes. why it's wicked. That's why is it. Why is Mystery Babylon a mystery? Well, let's find a different word for mystery. It's secret. Good one. Okay, it's this. This is uh, replace mystery with secret. Okay. Well, they they've got secrets. And and so uh, what Mr. Webb does uh, for those that aren't privy to the this part of the conversation that Roger and I are talking about here is uh, it's a it's an hour and 15 minute long or so video on BitChute uh, it's called The Great Taking it's uh, David Rogers Webb who uh, is eminently qualified to make this documentary and he writes a book it's got a free ebook associated with it I highly recommend it maybe yeah. Paul and Roger the wonderful Paul and Roger will have it posted in the uh, show notes today, and you can all avail yourself to the free ebook. The, the significance of why I sent this out today is because it's very consistent and, uh, if I can use the word, illuminates 
this next phase that I've been trying to talk about for some time, and Roger will uh, uh, confirm my, my saying that as I've been talking for for years now about a new legal system and international law system that it's already been put in place. It's already changed. They're just in mm -hmm. transition. Mm -hmm. All the thing that you see, everything that you see going on around you that is contradictory or isn't making sense, all the behaviors and actions that you see people and institutions doing that don't make sense are consistent with we're under, uh, they've already transitioned into a new form of law. Which means if you have a new form of law, you have a new form of government. If you have a new form of government, there's a revolution that's taken place, and you weren't clued into it. Um, it happened. There's a number of Unidad. Is that the is that the acronym for it? Yeah. Well, part of the part of the on the international on the international private stakeholder uh, <clears throat> aspect of it, uh, the international private law, as I've been able to come sort out, I first came across it six years ago, it's called Unidroit, Unidroit, Unidroit. Private, international, private Law. Now, with Unidroit Private Law, you can, uh, and, associate, and then associated with the treaties for nation states, nation states treaty with Unidroit incorporate Unidroit into a new private law system whereas uh, private corporations and uh, money powers can bring suit against nation states. And this is, there's a book written uh, by two nice young people here called Silent Coup. And they do a really good job, extremely good job, of documenting the players, the process, how it's taken place, and how it's been implemented. And even with all that, they still don't get the complete significance of it. Uh, and and this is how corporatism, globalism, internationalism, worldism, the newism uh, will have usurped and consumed and taken dominion over what you thought was a nation state. Yeah. Uh, and, and so what Mr. Webb does is he takes it to the next level of how, uh, what's important about what this aspect, he's, he's only talking about one aspect here. It's very important because he's talking in, in details extremely well how uh, the uh, your the the legal the legal aspects of property rights have been uh, what you thought property rights were has been abrogated. Yeah, through their well, through their process. And now, yeah, why why shouldn't they be? Because this is the system of revelation where everyone's born and assigned this status at birth. All the bonds of the sovereign countries represent that. With all those people, the object of their property rights, they got no access to property themselves. Right. Now, 
now uh, this this you know we're we're living in an incredibly interesting time, hmm. and I call it uh, you know for I know I try to find word terms and ways to express things that will you know open people's eyes. We're at a point of convergence. These were all these things that seem to be disparate things are now converging mm-hmm. uh, to a to a focal to a focal point. To and, a synergistic, uh, to a synergistic reaction, and it's going to be huge. Yeah. Now the 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 linchpin for the next uh, consolidation and acceptance of this new system will is fundamentally has to be the central bank digital currency. Yep. that has to be that has to occur that implemented at that point uh, you're locked in all, all everybody will be a uh, sufficient number will be locked in and your whole existence will be tokenized on their blockchain mm, yeah uh, and and then it's game over. The uh, uh, from a legal point of view, and the legal point of view, uh, for, from their legal presumptions that nobody seems to be able to uh, rebut to any significant degree, except for for us, is uh, they can then use military force to enforce their legal system. They can use law enforcement, existing law enforcement, because these people don't know nothing. They just take orders to enforce their legal system. And all your municipal, local, municipal, and state infrastructures and systems will be used to enforce their system. That's a pretty... That's a pretty slick revolution. Yeah. All of the all of the yeah. uh, illegal aliens that have come in that they're going to give those military and policing positions to so that they can reward them with citizenship. Those are going to be the people that you're dealing with. Yep. They'll reward and them if, and punish if you. If many of them don't if many of them don't speak English very well, don't be very surprised. Yeah. So I I bring this out not to be a black pillar or say woe is you know woe is me and we're all doomed. I say this so that you can have at least been an awareness that we're at a different stage of this than what most of you think. Don't or we are. You know, so. How about how about this? How about don't be low hanging fruit? Yeah, uh, be a hard target. And comment. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, Gary. Hey, Roger. I gotta I gotta go because oh, I gotta get on a call. But um, I just want to remind everybody: Tuesday, six p.m. Eastern. I'm gonna have Steve Emerson on my. Uh, on RBN okay. for two hours yeah. talking about the property tax thing. So um, I okay. hate to interrupt in, in Orlando. Okay. okay. 
All right, Tom. Yeah, Thanks. Okay. I'll, uh, well, I'll right. try and promote that again if we have programs next week. You know, we never know around here. If I get the opportunity, yeah, we'll promote it. Thank you. Yeah, okay. I figure there might be a lot of people right, on here on Saturday. And, and, you know, you're talking about this, the illegals and stuff. As as a national, couldn't we demand that the state of Texas do something on our behalf to protect us from the invasion? Because sure the federal could. government is trying uh, to shut them down. Tom, is the network behind the fact that uh, the secession questions on the next uh, ballot? Do you know that? No, didn't know that. I mean, I've heard of it you know, that, in the last few years. That's one of the reasons I no, know. It, may, it, ju- it just made the ballot. You need to check into that, and you ought to get the network behind that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I've still got to figure out okay. how I can vote You know, with all this issues, too. So, Well, that we got, got our guy in South Alabama that's pioneered that, at least in the state of Alabama, yeah. and got a template where other folks can uh, – can follow so we can talk about that more uh as we get yep. more two-hour shows back to back so thanks okay, tom right. i'll see you i'll be soon. back okay? i'll all be right. back so all right i just didn't know where right. everybody was on is that a, a good day is that a promise is that a promise or a threat that, that's a threat okay <laughs> see you later all right take care all right we're uh i think we're about out of time here uh, so anybody else got something real quick? Fine, Tom. Please. I do. Oh. Uh, I had oh. a question about, you know, what, uh, uh, was mentioned earlier about how the first 10 amendments or the bill of rights applies differently than the 11 and beyond. Right. And so in, in that sense, would a person, a national would, let's say that the schemers of this whole system, this whole UCC and, uh, uh, great takeover or the, uh, would they, is slavery still abolished from those persons? Do the people that create this system, did they, does the 13th Amendment apply to them? I, I don't think there's an answer. Yeah. It's kind of an open-ended question, but... Well, let's, put it, let's look at it another way, Abram. Everything has to be voluntary. If you want to volunteer into servitude, knock yourself out. But it's got to be voluntary. No, no, the no. other ones don't apply. Well, All right. Okay, bring not 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 a time to get into a discussion. Sorry, who's the other guy? Another question or comment? Quick. All right. Well, then I guess we're going to check out. I'm going to take off because we're having a nice little lunch with some of our buds, and uh, I'll see y'all hopefully on Monday. I don't know. I don't know when I'll see you, but I'm pretty sure it'll be soon.